0: Welcome to the friend. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Welcome to the show, friends. (laughs) I've been up in the woods too long. My mind is going, being by myself on the lake. Welcome to the show, friends. Greg Kokel here for Standard Reason. With you on Tuesdays from four until six Pacific time, and that's when you can call in, and uh, we can chat together. Um, I don't have the phone number in front of me, but if you go to str.org dot and uh, find the broadcast page, all the information is there. In fact, you'll find something else if you go there. You'll find uh, our new open mic um, project. That is, if you have called in in the if you've wanted to call in in the in the past and haven't been able to make the times work and um and you still have a question that you'd like to to ask me um you can just go to our website str.org go to the broadcast page and you will find a feature called open mic and you can just push the button basically and then record your question and then amy will take it and uh she'll give me a list and as time goes on we'll draw from that uh list and sometimes when i have to do a show all by myself and it's not live i'm just recording one for the future we'll just use that list we call it the open mic and we have a number of questions already in the queue here and uh, what we'll do is we'll we'll play your recorded question and then i'll respond to it so it's a way of participating in the show without uh without having to wait on hold, as all of our three callers right now that are in the queue have done from the last hour. So Mark and Barb and Ross, you'll be happy to know I'm going to get right to you, not have a commentary, but I wanted people first to know about the open mic, and also that uh, you can dial direct to do that. You don't even need to go online. Here's the phone number to dial direct to be able to leave your question. That's 857-DIAL-STR. 857 dial STR or by the numbers 857 342 5787. So there you go. We might get to some of those questions later on in the show. It depends how, how, uh, how these go. Last hour, it's spent a half an hour with one caller and it was great because there was important issues to pursue. All right. So let's go, uh, let's go to our callers now. Mark in Naples, New York. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, Greg. Hey.
1: Thanks for taking my call.
0: Sure. Uh
1: first off I want to thank you. Uh a couple months ago you finally cleared up for me. I'd been listening for a while. I could never figure out what that sound effect was at the beginning of the show.
0: Oh yeah. The, and you explained the that it to Rooster. <laughs> yeah, that was yours true. To me
1: it sounded like somebody was murdering. <laughs> Sounded like somebody was murdering a Muppet. I thought Elmo was being strangled or something. But.
0: <laughs> that's great. That's great. So what's that? Anyway,
1: and, and then next, I just want to tell you, I think, I think I just became uh, number one eighty-one of the the one hundred.
0: Oh, good today for you!
1: To become a strategic partner.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm so uh, glad to hear I that. Want
1: to, I want to thank you. I want to thank you so much because you've, you know, you've, you this program has really blessed me. Uh, and I know I've heard you talk before about uh, giving to where you're being fed and yeah. uh, I'm being fed so much uh, every day. I listen to you on my way home from work. Uh, I started by reading your book a few years ago, Tactics. Uh-huh. And then when I was uh, out of work during COVID, I discovered the podcast and um, just so much good information. You've turned me on to so many good books that my wife has told me I can't buy anymore. So I <laughs> at least read some of the ones on my stack and uh, other podcasts. Uh, as well. So anyway, what I, what I wanted to ask about... Well, let me just thank you. Wait, first, I a lot of,
0: uh, first, let me thank sure. you. Thank you for the nice words, and I want to thank you for be, being uh, being number 81 of the 100 for strategic partners uh, this month. And just to toss this out, for those of you who want to respond uh, the way that Mark has done, go to str.org forward slash partner and uh, follow the prompts, and you can be one of the 100 as well. So thank you, Mark. So what's on your mind?
1: Well, the other one, other thing I just did want to say uh, is, you know, you also talked about bloom where you're planted. Uh-huh. So I, I just want to share that that since reading tactics and listening to the podcast, uh, you know, apologetics has been a huge part of my uh, spiritual journey. So I have taken that to my home church. Mm. Uh, t- started out by teaching a class on the Bible and how you can. Uh, wow. Trust the Bible and how we, you know, where we got the Bible, mm-hmm. and then uh, Jay Warner Wallace, who I also discovered from your show. I did Cold Cold Case Christianity, mm. and coming up for this year, I, uh, we're going to be diving into tactics.
0: So, wow, that's great! Uh, Do you know about just, the outpost st- strategy we're doing?
1: I heard a little bit about that on one of one of your shows a while back, but.
0: Well, it's kind of like, my memory a little. Like, like having a stand-to-reason group in your own church. I won't go into detail because I know oh, we right, want to right. get to your question, but um, if you're interested, str.org forward slash outposts, okay? And uh, one of our newest players here, Robbie Lashua, is in charge of that. And he's doing a bang-up job. It's great. And we're expecting to launch 100 a- a new outposts. In September. That's our goal. So, uh, if you wanted to pursue that and have wow. a group there at your church, a stand a reason group, um, that's the way to do it. Just thought I'd say it.
1: Sure. Sure. I will check that out. So, I am at the age where I am attending more and more funerals. Uh, mm. Most of my aunts and uncles are, are, you know, in their 80s, 90s. I just lost an aunt who was 99 uh, and happened to, you know, at her funeral, the the pastor got up and spoke, and I I just I was so disappointed by her message, which is just very generic. Uh, she did share from from uh, John fourteen, and she read the first four verses about do not let your heart be troubled in my father's house or many dwelling mm-hmm. places. Uh, but she stopped at verse four and and just you know, her whole uh, talk to, the, to everyone there just leaves you with the impression that everybody's going. Yeah. And so I, I felt led to get up and speak afterwards, and, and even before hearing her speak, and I, I felt that I had to at least... Uh, say, uh, get to verse six. Uh, Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I got to thinking about it more afterwards. And fortunately, I had some other things to share, which my aunt actually wrote her own, uh, words that she wanted shared. And she was a believer and she had a very clear message. So I didn't have to really go any further. But uh-huh. I, was, I was just thinking about other opportunities. Um, and sharing other verses, and the one verse that I, I got a little hung up on, maybe, was Matthew seven twenty one to 23 where it says, "...not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who is in mm-hmm. heaven, will enter. Mm-hmm. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." And I just, what I wondered about there is in verse 22, uh, it somewhat appears he's speaking to a specific group of people, uh, those, you know, prophesying in their name and casting out demons and performing miracles. Um, But is that appropriate verse, or appropriate to use that verse in a broader context?
0: Well, tell me what the broader context is again that you're thinking about applying that to.
1: Just to everyone listening, that you know the message you may be getting is that uh, we're all going to heaven. But Jesus, the words of Jesus are very clear that right. there are, you know, other places in in Luke and in Matthew separating wheat from chaff.
0: Right, Jesus right. Goes,
1: um, but th- but this verse here, to me, was always powerful, you know, when Jesus says, I will declare to them, Mm -hmm. I never knew you.
0: Right. Okay, Um, I get you now. And I think this has a more limited application, all right? Certainly, there are going to be lots of people that he says, depart from me. And the sheep and goats there in Matthew, what? 25 or whatever, that's the language he uses there. Yeah, 25. But but he's speaking of a particular kind of circumstance here, and the context of your verse starts in verse 15, as I take it, okay? Beware the false prophets. Notice in verse—that's 15. Notice in 22 that you read, they will prophesy, you know, okay, who come to you in sheep's clothing— but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Okay, stop here for a moment. The point—and I've actually had to kind of adjust my own view about this recently because I came to the realization that this group that Jesus is talking about is a group of people that look like they are insiders. They look like they are Christians, Okay these are people mm-hmm. who are wolves in sheep's clothing so from outward appearances at least from some outward appearances they seem to be Christians okay um okay. and and then then he says you will know these people that they're wolves in your midst by the fruit that they produce so he's not giving I don't think a very, very broad generalization like you will know people by their fruits. That is, if people are pretty nice people, that's an evidence they know God. Because I've had Mormons have cited this, and they said, look at we're— Know them by your fruits. Look at the fruits of the Mormon Church. Look at all the good that the Mormon Church does. Look at how wonderful Mormon people are. And I can attest to that about the Mormon people, at least the ones I've known. They're fantastic. Their families are really good. And so this becomes a verification in their mind of, uh, of, of the legitimacy of their religious views. The, the problem with this passage, using it that way, is Jesus is using this metaphor to warn against a certain group of people. Mormons are not sheep. They're not wearing our clothing. That is, there is nothing that they believe that is almost nothing that is the same as classical Christianity. Their view of God is different. Their view of salvation is different. Their view of hem- heaven is different. Their view of Jesus is different. Their word of view of revelation is different. It's all different. They're not mm-hmm. wearing our clothing. They are a different <laughs> flock, you know. They're, they're a different breed. Now, I'm not even saying right now that they're wrong. I mean, I think their theology is wrong. But I'm just saying, all I'm, I'm not trying to diss them. I'm just saying they are different. Jesus isn't speaking of them. He's speaking of those who claim to be in our fold, but are even even doing dramatic things like prophesying or working miracles, which is certainly possible. We live in a magical world, and the magic, so to speak, is not just um, reserved to followers of Christ, faithful <laughs> God fearers. There are other sources of Power in the world. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Hold on. Okay, so so following this passage, you will know them by your fruits, and then he develops the metaphor, and then it, it, we it, we come to the passage, the portion of the passage that you were asking about. Wow, not everybody who says to me, "Lord, Lord," so just because they call Jesus Lord, well, it doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay but rather he who does the will of my Father. So now he's pointing out that there is a behavioral element that will separate the, the, um, the, the sheep from the wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm. I'm not saying sheep's and goats here. That's a different passage. The wolves in sheep's clothing, okay? So what is it? that these people are doing that shows that they are wolves, even though they claim to be part of this flock. And he says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Okay, so now what he's talking about specifically here is people that um, may be doing notable things within the community of Christians, but are also at the same time promoting immoral, lawless behavior. And I'll tell you who comes to mind immediately about this, and it's Matthew Vines. Do you know who Matthew Vines is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got the Reforma- the so-called Reformation Project, which is a, right. an enterprise that is trying to convert Christian churches into gay friendly churches. When I see gay-friendly, I mean theologically friendly, not friendly-friendly, you know, not nice-to kind of friendly. We ought to be doing that. But theologically friendly is a different factor, you know, affirming, gay-affirming is what he means. And so, um, and there you have, and what he'll say is, look at, I believe everything that you believe. I believe Jesus is God. I believe in the blood atonement. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe I, we sing the same songs. We worship the same God. We do. we are all Christians like you. The difference is we're gay affirming. And my response then is regarding that kind of claim is, yes, the difference is that you practice lawlessness and you encourage others to do the same. Because, because homosexuality is a violation of God's law. And I don't mean just Mosaic Law. It's repeated in the New Testament. It's in the Mosaic Law because it's a a universal in God's moral structure. And um, and I'm not trying to beat up on gays here. I'm just using this as an example because it's an obvious example. But there are others who do a similar kind of— there are swindlers, there are all kinds of charlatans who practice lawlessness. And sometimes these swindlers or charlatans— or two-faced people who were in in Christian groups and even in Christian leadership get exposed. And it's shameful when that happens. And it's unfortunate for the body of Christ because it makes everybody look bad when that happens. But these are wolves in sheep's clothing. And it's the fruits that they bear that identify them, and the particular fruit that Jesus is referring to is the practice of lawlessness. So, I think this does have an application, but it's a more narrow application the way Jesus yeah, is using yeah. it here does that make sense yep
1: yeah that 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 that's perfectly clear and the main reason I, I was thinking about it i've I've heard a number of different people over the years use that depart from me I never knew you in a broader a broader context but mm-hmm. i I know Greg Cokel teaches never just read a Bible verse. So.
0: <laughs> that's right. Well, I mean, there will there will be people in a broader context to hear that, but it, it'll sure. be the sure, sure. Matthew twenty five situation. Um, but here, I think that what Jesus is focusing on is as the false prophets who are. Uh, that's the way the passage begins. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, inwardly are ravenous wolves. These are people who practice or encourage the practice of lawlessness and immorality. So um, anyway, that's the way I would take the passage.
1: All right. Very good.
0: All right, buddy. I thank you Thanks for your so call. Much. Okay, Mark. Uh, let's uh, let's take a break, friends, and we'll come back. we got more on board here on Stand to Reason.
2: Will you be one of the 100? We are seeking 100 new strategic partners by August 31st. Strategic partners are friends who pledge to support STR with an automatic monthly gift. And this month only, when you sign up with a monthly automatic gift of $25 or more, we'll send you the video download of the last reality conference, as well as a reality t-shirt. Your faithful support equips believers around the world through free resources like our podcasts and training videos, articles, STR University, and so much more. Plus, you'll get some benefits too, like access to a private Facebook group, and a 10% discount in the store. So be one of the 100 today. Become a strategic partner by visiting str.org partner. Would you like a Stand to Reason speaker to speak at your church or event? Greg, Alan, Tim, and our newest apologist, John Noyes, are available, both in person and online. Just email booking at str.org to schedule them today our speakers can address a wide array of topics from bioethics, gender issues and science, to theology, philosophy, and how to respond to other worldviews, all from a biblical perspective. Whether it's a Sunday sermon, Zoom conference, or YouTube live event, our skilled and engaging speakers can be there, either physically or virtually, with the goal of equipping Christians to effectively influence the culture for Christ. To read their bios and learn more about the topics they cover, Visit str.org, then email booking at str.org to schedule Greg, Alan, Tim, or John today.
0: All right, thanks for joining me, friends. Greg Kogel here, and uh, more callers on board, so let's just go right to them. Barb in Ohio. Hi, Barb. Hi,
3: how are you, Greg? (laughs) I'm
0: doing okay. Glad to talk to you.
3: (laughs) I uh, just want to thank you for your ministry. I've been listening for a couple years, and I'm a strategic partner for uh, about that long. Oh, wow, great. Thank you. I've learned a lot from your ministry. Um, um, My question is about your articles that you wrote on Does God Whisper? Uh Uh-huh. And I've done this before, and I— Went through a Bible study, that Experiencing God Bible study with some yeah. friends about a year ago, and, you know, kind of tried to lead people away from that. But anyway, recently it's come back up in a Bible study I'm in, and um, I, you know, uh, talked about my misgivings about it, and how I don't think it, it's not biblical, it's not in the Bible,
0: Why mm-hmm. did we, you know,
3: why are we going here? And I got um, one person apparently visibly upset because they're very defensive about their uh, view that God talks to them every day and they Mm -hmm. know it and all this. But anyway, um, then the the leader, who is a friend of mine, who also, she calls him God-thunks.
0: She calls him God—wait, did you say God-thoughts?
3: God-thunks.
0: I I keep missing the second word. word. Wait, Barb, tell—
3: P-H-U-N-K—
0: God thunk. Thunk. God. Like okay. He, yes. <laughs> That's why I didn't understand it. It was a unique one. God thunk. Okay.
3: Yes. <laughs> so anyway, but she put a stop to the discussion because it was getting a little, you know, the other people person in particular was getting yeah. visibly upset or, you know, raising their voice. But anyway, um and then I have another person who I'm working with on a missional group that we're on and she had a paper for me to fill out, and one of the questions is, ask the Lord to speak to you and show you the faces and places of where He, you can join Him, and that kind of stuff. The same kind of thing. And I uh, sent her a text and said, I really am not going to answer that, because I don't think it's biblical, and she sent me a few answers of, you know, the, the, the typical verses, you know, the sheep hear my voice, and those kind of things. And I answered back on that, but my biggest question is, do I keep bringing this up or do I just drop it or i mean we're in a bible study it seems to me we have to be studying the bible and not what people think but right <laughs> if i say that i'm afraid i'll sound
0: well like,
3: snippy. you know i don't want
0: to listen Barbara i
3: don't want to be mean
0: look at i have spent the better part of let's say 1980 let me just think 89 is it 1989 or was it 1985 I'm trying to think when i first 1982 when i first started teaching this when i first kind oh, of wow. came to um an understanding of the 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 biblical or let me see the the i came to an understanding the The unsoundness of this approach, all right? There's a lot of things that are tied in with it. but um, And so I have been raining on people's parades for 40 years. And so I understand the (laughs) frustration and the discomfort that you feel having to address this. Frustration because it's everywhere and discomfort. I
3: don't don't mind arguing with people, though. I I mean, I I, kind of enjoy it. Truthfully, mm-hmm. I mean, it, and and truthfully, if, if if somebody wants to argue with me, I will listen to them. Yeah, and I will think about what they say, and if they sound right, mm-hmm. I will say, "Hey, wait a minute, that sounds like you know." I hope that I'm open enough, but I don't think the people that I'm working with are. Uh huh. So how do you know when to keep going? Yeah. Well, this is. To? I, mean, be... I have only been doing this for about. A year or
0: so. Yeah. Well, let me offer a couple of thoughts. And the answer is that it depends on a lot of things. So, part of it, and let's just set this issue aside for a moment, just to say there are things in any group of people that you fellowship, excuse me, fellowship with on a regular basis that you're going to disagree with. People are going to say things and you're going to disagree with them. Okay. That is, your view is going to be different than theirs, okay? And then you're going to have to make a decision. Right. Do I step up and disagree verbally, out loud, or do I let it ride? Do I just let it go? And there's always going right. to be a... um Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the right way of putting it, but it's just – it's going to kind of depend. It's it's always going to be there's this dynamic between maybe speaking up and sometimes letting it go and sometimes speaking up and sometimes letting it go because you can't speak up every time something is amiss that you think – you know it is not biblical right because that's just going to make you sound like a crab and um right. so that's that's the first thing you you just have to dis, you have to weigh the circumstances and make a decision now um there's other times though i mean but sometimes you may mention something i let a lot of things slide in groups okay when people say well um god told me this or god told me that whatever Um, A lot of times I just let it slide. okay? I don't take exception with it. Other times, maybe in a Bible study situation where where now something's being taught, and it might be fair to say, look, will you guys entertain another view on this? I have some concerns about what's been said so far, okay? And so there's a way of presenting it that— maybe more gentle than just saying, hey, that's not biblical, that's not right. Now, of course, I agree that it's not biblical and not right, but I'm going to try to enter in to a conversation in a way that doesn't get a person's guard up right away and gives me an opportunity to suggest an alternative that they may consider. Okay, so here's this person, and and I acknowledge entirely that some people are going to get very, very emotional about it, because this notion is very tightly tied to their relationship with God. And when when you take exception with this in any way, they think you're taking God away from them. Now, there was a book on decision making written many, many years ago, uh, that it's been re, it's been reissued. Gary Friesen's book on decision making and the will of God that I think I, I agree with almost 100%. And uh, I actually talked with Gary Friesen about his ideas way back when and he warned me that people are going to act when you start taking exception with some of this leading of the so-called leading of the spirit and God told me so right. I'm hearing the voice of God and all the blackaby stuff um then people are going to really push back and say things like well you're you're putting God in a box or you're you know, you're grieving the spirit, or uh, or you're taking God away from me, or maybe they'll feel that even if they don't say those words. It's interesting. I was just thinking about this the other day when people say, "Well, you're putting God in a box." Notice when they say that, they are not addressing the question that's being raised as to whether the behavior is biblical. It's 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 a it's a right. uh, it's a uh, what, do you, what do you call that when, when you would use a sword to deflect another sword? They're they're deflecting. Um, um- yeah. And they're, they're, they're not answering the question. And the one question, and you might think right. of this, that's a fair question to ask when people are saying in the study, well, God told me this, God told me that. Um, or the, the, the fair question is what you're saying is really weighty. For you to say that this is God speaking, you are giving us the words of God right now. That's what you just said. So here's my question. Why should we believe that what you have said is really the words of God? Why should we believe that? Now, that is an entirely fair question because that is a biblical question, okay? And I was just reading in 2 Kings when Isaiah told King Hezekiah that he's going to die, and Isaiah leaves, and Hezekiah weeps And he prays to God to give him more years. Isaiah comes back a few minutes later and says, God has granted your prayer. And Hezekiah, this really is surprising to me, but Hezekiah says, what sign will you give me? Now, this is Hezekiah speaking to Isaiah. And he asks Isaiah, what sign will you give me? And, um, and, and that's when the shadow goes up and down the stairs, you know, that whole thing, but there's a miraculous sign. So even right, Heze- right. Hezekiah was asking Isaiah for, for a, a supernatural confirmation. So to ask someone to give us a good reason why we should believe this remarkable claim that they're making, that God's, that the words that they just spoke are actually God's words. That's not an unusual thing to do. I also just read in Luke chapter 1 yesterday, um, there was Zechariah. What a goof, you know. He's John the Baptist's dad. He's there ministering in the temple, and an angel shows up. And the angel says, uh, you know, your son is going to be blah, 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 you know, spirit of Elijah kind of thing. And he, goes, then he But he says, oh, really? How can that happen? And he shows doubt. The angels right there. That's super. That would be supernatural enough for me. It seems to me. He said, "Okay, here's the sign. You're going to be deaf and deaf for the next nine months. That's what That's the sign. Right. But notice, even there, there was a a sign that accompanied that. And the, his disbelief at that point was inappropriate, given the fact that he's in the holy of holies and an angel shows up. Okay, <laughs> duh. Right. Okay so um but the 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 broader point i'm making is when people say god said this to me they are making a dramatic claim it doesn't feel that way to them because everybody talks that no. way but i think it's and it very...
3: happens to them every day Sorry and it happens to them every day
0: Oh well yeah so when some so there's a question that that you can you could you could ask and this the, the, the next thing is that um When somebody says, I think there was an exercise you encouraged to participate in, um, and and you didn't want to, the question I think it's fair to ask at this point is where do you find this in scripture?
3: Right. That's what I asked. And she gave me the typical, you know, um, uh, the sheep, you know, the sheep hear my voice, and then.
0: My sheep, okay.
3: She even said something about Jesus. And I answered her, you know, using what you had taught. And, you know, Jesus went into the wilderness, and he, you know, prayed to God. Of course, he was listening, too.
0: What was it? That? Wait, wait, wait. So anyway. Be- because Jesus went in the wilderness, does that mean that we're supposed to go in the wilderness to hear from God? I mean, that describes okay. what Jesus did. Yeah. Remember the right. qu- the question that you're asking is, where does the Bible teach this? or? Where, right. Oh, I can't say I, actually. Where do you find this idea in the Bible? But the idea is in what they told you to do. This individual waiting and seeking and listening to see if you hear or whatever it yeah. was. And um, now, if they go to John ten, fine. Let's go to John ten. My sheep hear yeah. my voice. Let's read. Do you mind if we go to? I mean, here I'm role playing it for you. But I'd say, do you mind if we go to right, that passage? Right.
3: This was in a text message.
0: So, pardon me. Yeah. Yeah, so this is so, in a
3: text message. So I brought that up and I brought up the, you know, Elijah hearing the whisper of God and and that. And well, then at the end of the text message she says, "Well, maybe you should just try it."
0: And no, like, gosh. It. Oh gosh. Yeah, let's try horoscopes too. Okay. Um look, I I <laughs> I, I I um it's very frustrating, and I feel bad for you because I know how frustrating this can be in that group. You, you I think it's fair to be able to right. raise the issue under certain circumstances and say, let's go back to the text. If if you think this is what Jesus is talking about in John 10, can we go back there and look at it? Because in, in verse 6 of that passage, it says, this Jesus spoke as a figure yeah. of speech, you know. And you're probably familiar right. with the, the, what I've written on that. But, um, yeah. And then you can just let it lie. Because the people who are deeply committed to this probably are not going to listen, or at least not listen right away. I have had people that came back to me after being really mad at me, and they ended up changing their minds because they went back to the text and saw what it actually said. So there's hope, you know. Okay. But some people are so committed, okay, they're not going to shake loose, and it's better not to shake the tree in those circumstances and creating a bunch of bad feelings among people. If you're going to address this stuff with people, you want to work really hard to make sure you don't break fellowship with them. That you're doing it in a way that's that's gentle and right. doesn't doesn't uh doesn't damage or wound their spirit in some way. So, all right? Right. Bar.
3: Sounds good. Thank you. I appreciate your help.
0: Oh, you're so welcome, Barb. I'm glad to help out a little bit. Um just for everybody's information, um Barb was referring to some pieces that I write that I wrote about Does God Whisper that had been collected in a booklet by that title, Does God Whisper? And in that passage, I mean, in that booklet, all I'm doing, it's available at str.org, at the store, all I'm doing is going through all of these proof texts, like John 10, My Sheep Hear My Voice, that has been used to verify these experiences people have that I do not think are biblically sound. Okay, God can do whatever He wants, but we can't teach whatever we want. We have to teach what the Bible teaches, and it doesn't teach that we can learn to hear the voice of God, and it certainly isn't talking about that in John chapter 10. It's a metaphor, a figure of speech, as John mentions that there, and then you can see as you look through the, 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 the account that there's something else entirely going on, and I'll just give you a little tip. The ones who hear His voice in John 10 are not even Christians. It's how they become Christians, all right? In any event, the, book, uh, the booklet deals with a whole bunch of passages uh, trying to bring some clarity to this issue, biblically speaking, all right? Okay, back to the—wait, what time is it? No, let's take a break. Let's take a break, and uh, then I'll get back to Ross. And then it looks like Tom is on board in Oregon, so we'll probably get to him as well. Stay with us. Did you know Stand to Reason has a YouTube channel? We release a
4: new video each Monday on the topics you care about. Through short, engaging videos, our speakers train you on tactics, offer apologetics tips, answer common theology questions, and address big issues in the world today. Join tens of thousands of other subscribers so you can stay up to date when we release a new video. Just go to youtube.com and search Str Videos, all one word, and hit the subscribe button. That's Str Videos. Take advantage of this free resource to help you stay informed, encouraged, and equipped as you share your worldview with others. Hey friends, would you like to be encouraged throughout your week with timely, relevant content meant to bolster your knowledge, wisdom, and character? Or maybe you have a desire to be connected with other like-minded Christians from around the world? If so, then you need to follow Stand to Reason on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.
0: Not only will you be able to interact with other stand trees and followers, but you'll also stay up to date and informed on our latest resources and events. In our current culture, it's important to have something of value to break up your social media feed. So just visit str.org and find the links to all of our social media platforms at the bottom of the homepage. All righty, friends, uh, don't forget uh, about our special push this month, be one of the 100. I just want to mention it again because our last caller said she was a strategic partner. I didn't leverage off of that <laughs> to make my commercial, but uh, I did want to remind you. Uh, this. Uh, this is the month that we're seeking to add 100 new, wonderful strategic partners to our team. Okay, those who have committed, in this case, $25 or more, per month on a regular basis to STR. You can get the information at str.org slash partner. And uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to gift you with a video download of the, of last year's reality from chaos to clarity. And uh, we'll get you a reality t-shirt and we'll do some other things for you. But uh, mostly, I mean, I think the big value as people have expressed to me of being um, a strategic partner is because it's satisfying to them to give back when they have received, and also to give in a way that helps others benefit the same way they've benefited from the multitude of things that Stand to Reason has done in their life, including this show. So um, it's not the hard sell. I'm just inviting you, if this has been significant to you, go to str.org slash partner and join up, Okay all the information is there all right time to go to michigan and ross hello ross Hello, Ross.
5: hi greg how are you today
0: i'm doing okay where in michigan are you
5: i am in zealand close to holland so the west side
0: holland okay i wasn't tripping the up because i'm just about an hour south of the up where i'm at right now but uh oh wow that's awesome yeah holland is just across the the lake from chicago right
5: Yep, that's
4: right.
0: Okay. We used to go when, for for prom in 1968, a long time ago. We went to the Indiana Dunes the day after prom. That was the big event for people where I lived. Oh, yeah. That's close to where you're at.
5: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: So what's Definitely, on your mind, I Ross?
5: Say it's a, yeah, I wanted to say uh, it's actually a great honor to speak with you. And I didn't think I was going to talk to you today. because It's actually my birthday, so that's a pretty cool surprise. <laughs> um, Yeah I had a question okay. so I've got six friends who are all atheists they're all like pretty like they're my closest friends they're pretty militant atheists and they have been for a few years they think Christianity is dumb they think it's not logical and I think part of that is because of the colleges I went to and what they've been exposed to et cetera. and I'm trying to see the best approach I can take to start witnessing to them and evangelizing to them I'm newer to Apologetics, and I love it so far. Oh, good. I've got your books, Frank Turks, Lee Strobel, mm-hmm. uh, J. Warner Wallace, pretty much all the big names, which are all awesome individuals, and I love their books so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to determine what's the best approach. Well, that's Should I a... wait until I have pretty much every single argument down really well, and should I do it one front at a time, one-on-one? Like, I'm not sure where to start.
0: Okay, that's, those are all great questions. First of all, I tip my hat to you. You have a bunch of atheist friends. You have, a, a, a what do they call it, a target-rich environment there, and so that's great. And um, I hope that the way that you're comporting yourself and living your life, and I'm pretty confident of this, is is going to uh, be noble and commend Christianity to them. So you're not send, sending out any negative signal signals, but uh, and you're also doing a great job in boning up on the on the information. All the people you mentioned are great people to read, and there's a lot more out there. So you're doing a great job. Good for you. Uh, but let me ask you this: Have you read Thank the you. Tactics book yet?
5: I am reading it right now. I haven't finished yet. I'm okay. currently reading that one and I don't have enough faith to be an atheist at the same time.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, but no, dynamite through it. Yeah. because what I'm what I'm gonna good. Well what I'm gonna be suggesting to you is a tactical approach, okay? And um this is always the best way to start any conversation with people who are who who are hostile in terms of their ideology they may be very nice to you but and, and as friends but still their ideas are hostile okay and uh, to your ideas or they are hostile to your ideas whatever um, and that right. the, you, there's a tremendous amount of safety in questions and the specific challenge when atheists say that Christians are stupid or it's irrational, uh, th- this is one that I've faced before, And there's a very simple question to ask at this point, and maybe you have asked it and they've responded. I'd like to hear what they had to say. But um, lots of people who are atheists think that the atheists are the smart guys. In fact, one famous atheist, Daniel Dennett, refers to atheists as the brights, you know, like the the brights, the smart people, right it's kind of self serving it right. seems to me and that and the uh and the the religious people are the dim bulbs, you know, kind of thing all right, fine, tell me this is the question I would ask, what is dumb or irrational about Christianity? what is dumb or irrational about Christianity, and now you want specifics. You want them to say—you want them to spell it out. And this is just an example of the first Columbo question, what do you mean by that? It's just a variation, okay? So if you were to say to your friends, Ross, um, what is dumb about—what is stupid, I guess is the word they use. Oh, they use the S word. Oh, naughty, naughty. What is stupid (laughs) about Christianity? What do you think they'd say? Uh,
5: They'd probably just say, oh, look at all the evil in the world, like God can't, or a man can't walk on water, just kind of the typical slogan atheistic responses, basically.
0: Okay, let me, okay, let's just take one at a time, okay? Um, according to the Christian worldview, it's a magical world, okay? If God right. exists, if there is a God, wouldn't something like that be possible? Walking on water. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course it would be possible. Okay, so the real question is whether there's a God or not. Okay, that's so now what you've done is you've deflected, parried—that was the word I was looking for with the other caller, with the sword—you parry the the uh, kind of the, uh, the condescension. Oh, people walk on water. Nobody can do that. Well, no, not, not in your world, but in— God's world, yes, they could. Okay, now the question is, which world is the true world? So now you've moved it to a different discussion that's more fruitful, whether or not God exists, okay? So you've moved the the issue to something substantive, okay? Um, now, they also raise the issue about the, the question of evil, okay? Now, I've right. just been working on this the last few days in this book I'm writing. So the question—now here's the question. They think the problem of evil is a problem for Christians. It is not. It's a problem for the atheist. And I'll see if I can show you this very quickly, because the question I'm going to ask is, um, when they say the problem of evil, so you believe there's real evil in the world? Yes, I do, obviously. They're going to say, okay. Now, the next question is really important. Are you saying that there's evil out there, that things people do are actually evil? Or are you just saying there are things that you don't like? Now, Ross, that's the difference between objective evil and or morality and subjective morality or relativism, okay? You just want to get, the, get clear. All we're doing is getting clear on their idea. Do you mean think there are really, real, actual evil things in the world? Okay, that's what I want to know. Now, when people raise the problem of right. evil, they usually mean – they actually usually mean there's evil in the world, Okay. Even the atheist says that. Look at those things. Look at the shootings. Look at this. Look at all the genocide. Look at all that stuff. That, look at all that bad stuff. How could God allow all of that? Okay. Right. Okay. So, fine. Let's say, okay, this is an, another move here at this point. Now that you've clarified that they believe in objective evil, those things are actually bad. Okay. Fine. So, So you're an atheist, right? Let's just, yeah. So I, I'm notice I'm role-playing here. I'm role-playing both sides for the sake of time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're an atheist. Yeah, right. So let's just say there is no God. Okay. Do the, are those evil things still happening? All this stuff you just described, all these school shootings and the genocide and all these rapes and all that stuff, it still happens, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's no God, but all these evil things are happening. Explain to me how those things can be evil— if there is no God? That's the question. Explain to me how those things can be evil in the way you're talking about them, if there is no God. Now, they might say, wait, I don't get what you're after. Okay, wait a minute. You said these things are evil, right? Yeah. That means they, they broke a rule. They they, they they shouldn't have done what they did. There's some rule of goodness that they didn't abide by. They broke a law. That's what it means to be evil, right? Yes. Okay, so you're an atheist. Tell me where those laws come from. I'm trying to make sense of your worldview. Now, notice, um, uh, Ross, what, what I'm doing here. Now I'm shifting the burden from the Christian worldview, because in our worldview, we can make sense of evil. It's a broken world. Evil is when people disobey God. Now, right. why he allows that, that's a question that can be answered. That's a separate issue. The point I'm making is evil makes sense in our worldview. Our whole our whole story is about the problem of evil and how it gets solved. But what about his worldview? So they're saying that Christianity is stupid, irrational because of the problem of evil, but the problem of evil makes sense in our world. What it doesn't right. make sense is the atheist world. And this is why, on this issue, I'm asking the question in this particular way, okay? I'm asking the question, okay, let's just say you're right, there is no God. But those things still happen, right? And they're still evil, right? Okay, so tell me, where are you getting your standard that judges those things as evil? Where does that come from? Now, the problem problem they're going to face is there is no answer. I know what many of them will say. Many of them are going to say, well, we evolved these ideas. But when they tell me they evolved the ideas, I have another question, because I know they just made a mistake. And this is what I it took, labored painfully to make clear in the book, and hopefully when it comes out next year, it'll be clear to people who read it. Um, the question is, wait. then I'm going to say, well, wait a minute, I thought you said there's evil out there in the world. Those things are actually evil. Yes. How can evolution make some act evil in itself? That's the question. See, all evolution can do is make me believe they're evil, but that's all it is. It's just my belief so that I can get my genes into the next generation or something like that. But it can't, biology can't make anything bad, it can only make us believe things are bad. For some evolutionary purpose, so it turns out that all evolution can do is a relativistic morality, an internal morality. It can't make the outside things bad. These are the kinds of questions that I'm going to press my atheist friends on. Who, when when I ask them what's dumb about, what's stupid about Christianity, what's irrational about uh, about believing in God, and they say things like that, I say, okay, you help me to understand. How you make sense of the evil you're complaining about, given your atheistic materialism. It fits in my world. Right. How does it fit in your world? It's interesting because, because he's scoffing at the idea of walking on water. But the idea of evil in the world is just as foreign to his worldview as walking on water is to his worldview. So I agree. I, I've, I've kind of run a bunch of stuff by you, kind of quickly here, and I need to jump to Oregon and talk with Thomas in just a second. But I um, um, maybe you could listen to the recording of the podcast a couple of times because I, I realize I covered a lot of stuff very quickly. So uh, if you read it, listen to it a couple of times over, um, it'll hopefully get more clear. And engage your friends with these kinds of questions and get clear on what they think is actually irrational about Christianity there's nothing irrational about it as it turns out and um and then press them on the rationality of their own view especially if they are if they are uh raising the problem of evil as an argument against Christianity it's actually an argument against atheism but uh i got to run okay does that help ross Okay, thank you so much. Let's go to Thomas Norgan. We got about six minutes to go, Thomas, but I squeezed you in. Welcome to the show.
4: Thanks, Greg. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. Hopefully, we can answer this question, which I've never had before in what 32 years of broadcasting. I've never had this question before. So uh, go ahead.
4: Yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a strange question. So my my coworker um, uh, throughout his childhood or, or maybe not childhood, but, um, adolescent or, uh, college years, uh, had done, um, hallucinogenics and through those experiences, he came to the understanding, I guess, that, um, he believes the only way to reach what he knows is a creator of the world. He, he's, he's convicted of that, that, that he thinks that there it's not by chance, but there must be some sort of creator or designer. Um, he thinks the only way to reach that person, that being, is through hallucinogenics. And so, I was just curious uh, what your take would be. Yeah.
0: Okay. Just to cl- get clear, so he does. You ca- he does think you can reason towards God, but you cannot connect with God without psychedelic drugs. Is that it? Uh,
4: I don't know about reason so much as like be in the presence of, or it's. I mean, I've I've never done psychedelics, so I wouldn't
0: be sure able to sure. What well, like could I you know have that experience.
4: But have an experience? with the Supreme Being.
0: Yeah, psychedelics were really big fifty years ago, and so many people had so many bad experiences with them. You know, I thought that this is probably the you know, people the culture had moved on. But um, okay, so I'm just thinking very quickly of a couple of questions. All right, did would would your friend? Here's what I would ask first: their friend. Um, you know, get clarification on his views, and then ask, do you think Jesus was connected with God? Now, I'm not making any claims about Jesus being God or Christian gospel or anything. I'm just talking about Jesus as a man of history. Most people have an opinion about Jesus, and they think highly of him. So I wonder if your friend, who made this comment about psychedelic drugs connecting with God, would think that Jesus was connected with God. Okay. He would say, okay, good. What is the evidence that Jesus uses psychedelics to do that? Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's no evidence. So you read through the Gospels, you don't see any accounts, any references to that. In fact, Jesus seems to encourage a whole different way of connecting with God. And um, you know, the details are there, the gospels, and it's part of the Christian life, et cetera, et cetera. But the point I'm making is if you if we're going to use Jesus as an example, and I just suggest Jesus because again, most people respect Jesus. This is a tactic I call what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> so we're leveraging people's respect for Jesus um, sure. against the view they're advancing regarding spirituality, in this case, about using drugs. So my point is going to be, and I'm going to use questions. I'm going quickly here now because i got less than two minutes. I'm going to use questions with a a fellow like your friend um, to get his commitment to respect for Jesus, if in fact he does, and then ask him, okay, did Jesus share your view? Did Jesus use psychedelics to get close to God? no. Did he, who was close to God, teach other people as a rabbi as a teacher or however you want to characterize him as a great religious leader? did he teach other people to use psychedelics? No, he didn't there's no hint of that he he gave other instructions about how to do that okay so why what what about excuse
4: me sorry no, what about if um if he has no respect for for Jesus of Nazareth.
0: Okay. Well, if he if he doesn't, then I would take a different course. Okay. Um, and, and and this is a little more difficult then, but it's just clear to me sure. that uh, psychedelics have created lots and lots of damage for people. Now, this is pretty common knowledge. All right. Psychedelics are destructive. Okay. So uh, I would maybe ask him, Are you aware? of the damage psychedelic drugs have caused so many people, okay? And that's just a quantifiable fact. I mean, look at all the rock stars from the 60s on who took psychedelics and are six feet under. It killed them, you know, and they weren't going after God. It was clear. So I'm going to use that as a counterexample. This is what psychedelics do. Why would th- this deadly approach be the only way to connect with God? So there's my quick answer, Thomas. Sorry about the short shrift on that one, but at least it will give you an approach. Maybe we can talk another time after you've had more conversations with your friend. Good for you for engaging him. Yeah, I as look well. forward to it. Okay, all the best Thank to you, you, Thomas. Okay, good. Thanks. All right, friends. That's, uh, there we go. That went fast. Thank you for spending this time with me. Greg Kokel here for Stand to Reason. Give them heaven. Okay, bye-bye.